today on Gifted Autonomy. We're talking creative empowerment, purpose, and collaboration with your feelings and your concerns. Be gifted, be enlightened, be a part of Gifted Autonomy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Gifted Autonomy, our last episode for this month. And today we have a very special guest joining us, author Andrew Snorton. Andrew, hey, how I'm are doing you? great. And I hope you're doing as well, if not better. So thanks a lot for having me on your on your show and to your audience. Thanks for taking time to support and, and share and go from there. Oh, yes. We're very excited, like I said, to have you on the show. And so kind of without further ado, we'll get started. So give us some background about yourself, as in, you know, where you grew up, how you grew up, any interesting tidbits, and also how you stepped up into your current role as an sure, author. That's a, obviously, that's a great way to start to give people a point of, give people a point of references. Who is this guy? But um, uh, originally uh, an Illinois native, uh, lived there until just before starting elementary school. Uh, Growing up, I lived in the state of New Jersey, grew up in Morris County, which is about 30 to 35 miles west of New York City. And then after elementary school, finished up middle and high school in the Asbury Park, Ocean Township area, which is the the probably like the heart of the Jersey Shore. So distance wise, about 40 miles south of New York and maybe about an hour, 15 minute drive away from uh, Philadelphia. Uh, from there, collegiately attended Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, after finishing up there, I've pretty much been in Georgia ever since. I did spend a little bit of time in Athens, Georgia, uh, doing work with the um, juvenile court system for uh, youth intervention programs. Did that for a couple of years. And then I've pretty much been in Metro Atlanta ever since. So uh, before landing in my role, one of the hats I wear is an author. I worked uh, in the insurance industry, uh, worked a little retail, uh, but probably what really got me a lot more grounded was my time working in public education uh, in Gwinnett County Public Schools, where I taught language arts, social studies, uh, journalism, uh, also did the intramurals program, like the after school sports program and advised a couple of clubs, including the um, Lyricist Lounge, which was a poetry club. Yeah, even in middle school, doing a poetry club and um, actually for the yearbook. Uh, After my time in public education, transitioned out, did a lot more grant writing, and then eventually landed with what I'm doing now under my business, Creative Community Solutions. So there's an education-based branch where I still do traditional tutoring, virtual tutoring, uh, for some of the high schools, handle their ACT and SAT prep, as well as some of the community organizations. On the press and media end, I actually handle the press and media for a couple of different um, businesses, events, things along those lines, as well as having my own broadcast with uh, one of the Atlanta Media Group Status Network. So my show, The Conversation Corner, airs every second and fourth Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thankful to have guests across entertainment business community and more. So I know I got to work on getting you on. So that's definitely in the works. 
And on the writing end, I've been blessed to have written three books, recorded as of today, August 28th, five audiobooks, and actually edited a couple of authors' books. That's kind of, you know, my, I guess my academic, professional community journey. Wow. And and it, it's a lot to, to take in there. <laughs> but something that I, I did want to add. So you mentioned various types of writing. And, you know, with me being a writer and I worked at a university prior to the tech writing position that I have now, I know that different type of writing um, takes different type of um, preparation. So I was wondering, what's your favorite type of writing? Because you mentioned grant writing. And you mentioned you did some public relations writing. And then, of course, you're an author. So out of those things, what's probably oh, your that's favorite? A, that's a really good question. Um, all of them, I, I as, as a writer, you just have fun writing. But if I had to pick whatever type or style or genre, honestly, I would say poetry is my favorite. And, and, and the reason being is that, to me, it's arguably the most straightforward form of writing, but it can be the most powerful. Like it's a parallel between writing poetry and writing music. So you think about when you listen to music, the power of that song lyric and how it could be speaking to, you know, a situation at the time or what have you like poetry has the same effect and you don't have to be the quote most well-versed or you don't have to follow all the rules, like whatever iambic pentameter and the A, B, C, B, whatever, like you can just write and just be. And it, to me, it helps people find their voice. We know in writing across the board, finding the voice or share or amplifying the narrative is so important. So I think poetry as that intro or that bridge can help people find their voice and articulate as best as they can with what they know. Here's what's going on. Here's what I think about an issue. Here's where I see myself growing. Here's where I see myself struggling. Like it's really that can be that snapshot of where you are and where you're trying to go and helping someone find their voice. So I think of all the forms to me, that's probably my favorite because of the potential impact it can have on an individual, you know, and other people. Mm hmm. And that's so correct and, and range true with me. I took a creative writing class because I've always liked to write as well. I was the person with the little composition book, just writing poetry about <laughs> my day at school when I was younger. Um, so when I got to college, I took a creative writing class and I'm thinking, OK, this will be you know pretty easy. And so, you know, I started writing. Um, I went from writing, you know, really what I was feeling to trying to do like more structural poetry writing. And so I was paying attention to everything that you just said, you know, the the rhythm of it and everything like that and thinking, OK, well, this will get me an A. But the first time I read one of them and we did like a peer review in class, um, everyone was saying, you know, this is good. You know, this is normal, a normal poetry um, format, but I don't feel any like for lack of a better word, soul mm -hmm. behind it. And so I was like, okay, well, let me go back to writing how I was originally writing <laughs> with, with more feeling and just not trying to, you know, write to get an A. And I ended up writing about um, the final moments of somebody that's on death row. Now, how this came to this idea came to me, I have no idea, but I wrote a poem and it's one of my favorite poems I've ever written. 
um, because it's very, it's very reflective because it's actually from the standpoint of the person that's on death row and them just looking around, taking in everything, taking in their last meal. Um, it's kind of dark, but when I read it in class, like everybody loved it. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's really important, like you said, to kind of use poetry to be free flowing and um, really, you don't really have to stick to any type of rigid format in order for it to yeah be you summed successful. it up right there like structure some structure helps because it helps you to kind of better coordinate your ideas but then it's like once you've got your feet underneath you like go in the direction that it takes you so like you said even with the topic that you covered it still impacted people and it still made people think and reflect and for lack of a better term look at even in that type of dark space, there's still some degree of humanity because a lot of times you don't hear about that. You're like, oh, they've done this and done that and they're a monster and whatever, but it's kind of like taking a wild guess as that person is getting to their last moments. They're reconnecting with their humanity. It, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me a little bit what you just shared. If you ever saw the movie Menace to Society and it's really like Kane's life flashing before his eyes, like we don't realize it to the very end. At the very end, he's like, I wish I had done differently, but it's too late. So it almost sounds like that particular piece you did is a parallel. Like as the final moments are coming, everything's hitting you and all these life lessons, et cetera, are coming. So maybe moving forward, if we can realize these things sooner, we won't be in those type of predicaments. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Exactly what I was going for. So tell us the inspiration behind, I think you said three books. Yeah, right? three books and five audiobooks. So since 2017, 2017 was the the year of my first release. And I'll, I'll break those down as, as succinctly as I can. You know, us, us creators, we, we uh, <laughs> and everything. But the, the first book that I wrote in 2017 is titled Deeper Than Your Deepest Sleep, Thoughts on Love with Joseph Snorton. And the inspiration behind the title came from when I was invited to attend the memorial service for the late Dr. Maya Angelou. She was actually a professor at Wake Forest University for a little bit over 30 years. So that was the event where some people who recall uh, First Lady Michelle Obama was a speaker, former President Bill Clinton, the late Cicely Tyson, Oprah Winfrey. And I, mm -hmm. I received my invite and the name was in the name of Joseph instead of Andrew. So me being, being the somewhat silly and goofy person that I am, I asked my parents if there was something they need to tell me. And, and I'm not going to repeat what they said, but <laughs> they're like, you have lost your mind. <laughs> but I did some digging and I actually do have a distant relative named Joseph. And, and the poem, the book is based on our conversation, looking at the action of love through broader lenses. So unlike a lot of poetry, what I did is the beginning of each chapter is a preview and it takes a portion of the conversation. So that way the reader knows the context. So when they read the poem, they can draw better connections with the poem. So going in the direction of looking at the action of love through the lens of family, community, people in your life, people no longer in your life, self-reflection through your lenses and then self-reflection through spiritual lenses. I, I wanted to do a more creative take on poetry. And then not only that, it's just getting inside what goes on inside the head of some men when it comes to the action of love, because like you see it in other areas, but you don't always see it, you know, through a male perspective. So 
Um, that was the first book that was done in 2017. My second book in 2018, Nine Stories of Faith, Volume 1, is definitely more interview-based. And it's looking at it through the lens of all of us are living with some type of issue. But some people live with something each and every day. So the people I opened who were able to open up to me shared their, their journey about living with a physical health issue like multiple sclerosis or a mental health issue like bipolar disorder or uh, life after incarceration, things along those lines. And they opened up how through the lens of their faith, using best practices in health and wellness, their support network and how they've changed their way of thinking where the mindset is, I live with this versus I have it because of it. If you have something, it could have ownership over you. So it's definitely stories of motivation, encouragement, a little bit of education, things along those lines. But then on the flip side, I interviewed people across Christianity, Hinduism, and Islam. So especially when people are talking about those faith adages, people may see there are areas of overlap. And if there's areas of overlap in regarding certain principles, then maybe there can be other areas of overlap regarding stewardship or advocacy or things along coalition building, things along those lines. So you don't have to necessarily subscribe to one or the, uh, over the other, but I think through the lens of faith, if we see that there are some common areas, let's discuss those and see how we can expand the boundaries. You never know, you know what good things can happen. And then the third book that's in print is Nothing Minor, uh, which was released last year. And it covers my uh, coverage of minor league baseball in North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Mississippi. And I was very intentional with interviewing as many black players as possible because those numbers, especially on the major league level, have declined big time since like the 70s and 80s. Um, a number of the players I interviewed are playing major league baseball. So that's actually pretty cool. Uh, there's game coverage, photography, and and really the life lessons and post-game interviews from the players. It, it's really insightful and it goes beyond the game. And, and one of my favorite quotes is from a player by the name of Travis DeMeritt, who is playing, he's part of the Atlanta Braves system. So he's actually at their AAA team, which is a step below the major league team. And at the time that I interviewed him, he made a quote that says, he said, filter out the noise. And I know he was referring to like the comments that he would hear because he got drafted straight out of high school. He was drafted in the very first round, which meant he was quote, the best of the best. And it taken him a little bit longer to go through the minor league baseball ranks. But for him, filtering out the noises, hey, I'm almost here. And he did see Major League Baseball time in 2019 and 2020. He's back at the AAA level. Uh, but filter out the noise can be so applicable to so many different things. You know, when people are trying to convince you not to pursue your passion, not to pursue your purpose, you have to filter out that noise. And sometimes... And we're all guilty of it to varying degrees. Sometimes we get in our own way. Sometimes we talk ourselves out of doing those things that will allow us, you know, professional growth, community growth, and things along those lines. So sometimes filtering the noise means you have to get out of your way and go ahead and take mm -hmm. that next step. So those are the three books that are in print. And then I'm really excited about the audiobook series I have called The Author's Mixtape. And with that, it's definitely... Um, everything's creative, but that one's really creative. So the whole concept behind the author's mixtape is doing music and spoken word, but it's borrowing from the freestyle experience that you see in hip hop 
as well as the improvisational style of jazz. So with each edition, we do everything in studio. So that means all the writing, laying down the tracks, recording. We don't do anything before coming in the studio. So everything's done in a studio session. And we've been blessed that every track that we've done on all the volumes is done in one take. But I'm extra excited about volumes four and then volume five, which releases August 28th, as I was able to bring in a guest author by the name of Chris Ten. So I brought her on volume four's edition, which is the collab. And uh, the story behind that was we were meeting, I was talking about the series and she made a good point. Hey, why don't you bring in some guests? Because you've done the first three on your own. I'm sure that's creative, but people, you know, need to hear something different. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to reach out to this person and that person and, and do it like cypher style and whatever. And then through the lens of faith, it's like, you know, God's kind of equipped you with everything you need. And the person I needed was right there in front of my face. So on volume four, that was her introduction. And she did three amazing solo tracks. I did three solo tracks and we did a duet. Now, fast forwarding to the newest edition, um, Forward Thinking, Believing, and Doing, which is volume five, and that releases on August 28th. It's really featuring her. So she did two individual tracks and took the lead on one of the duets. I did two individual tracks. I took the lead on the other duet, and then I did the closing. So it's really just tapping into a little bit of everything. Anything about life from self-image to your growth and progress to your fears relationships we cover a little bit of everything and again everything is done in a single recording like it's not like we started then stopped and started again we did everything in a single recording um so really excited about the audiobook series definitely that's that's amazing it's very unique you touched on a few unique things the the author's mixtape specifically because you know from my interpretation since everything is done in one setting, you guys are basically freestyling. So it's no writing done beforehand. Exactly. Like you summed it up. It's freestyle. It's straight freestyle. Mm-hmm. And I know that takes a, a different level of skill. I'll, I'll tell you what's <laughs> funny. Like, um, you know how sometimes in writing and, and the varying degrees, we're all guilty of it. Like you have your idea, you start writing, you're reading out loud, it's not flowing. So you're editing this or ripping it up and starting over again. And, and I think the beauty about freestyle is you just have to get up there and do it. Like you can't, you know how sometimes you hear the adage paralysis through analysis, like you just have to do it. And I think what's great about doing a freestyle, you're capturing what's going on at that time. So whether it's like you think about the classroom and kids bring in and adults too bring in their most immediate experiences. So it's part talking about those most immediate experiences. It's part a checkpoint to see how far you've grown from whatever situations are going on, what you're looking forward to, what you're afraid of, what you're mad about. Like, it is really, you're coming from an authentic space because you're, quote, you don't have time to think. You're just going ahead and saying it. And then as you're getting in rhythm, like we were talking about earlier with the poetry, you're using whatever styles you see fit. So it's totally like unscripted and unrehearsed. And um, it's, and, and I think, and especially in Kristen's case with the work that she's doing, 
in arts and entertainment and what have you. I'm like, if you can freestyle, you can handle almost anything else whenever you're doing your other arts and entertainment work. And for me, it's like, if I can freestyle, then, you know, I darn sure can write a book. So it's almost like be doing it freestyle kind of helps eliminate those excuses. Like it can, you can do it. It can be done. And yeah, you just have fun with it. And you never know with any writing, you never know who you're going to reach, but how you could reach, motivate, encourage, inspire. And, and, and I'm sure you can attest to it with any of the writing you've done. When we write or speak, sometimes we're helping other people find their voice. Like people have the ideas in their head, but they might not feel fully comfortable putting it on a pad or putting it in a book or, you know, verbalizing it. So that's where what we do is so important to help people discover and unlock. And it's like, yes, I can do it. I can find who I am and things along those lines. Yeah, that's the biggest issue that I think a lot of people face that have come on this podcast, just the confidence to put things out there. Like, you know, they may write something, read it back, don't think it's good enough and just like shelve it. And so this entire podcast is actually to encourage people and people have come back and gave feedback and said that they were encouraged by the podcast, which makes me happy, of course, for them to, you know, whatever hurdle they thought they were facing or if they thought that something wasn't good enough just to just to start, you know, just to put it out there, you know, because you can receive the feedback and everything. And if it's constructive, you can always edit and, you know, Next time you may want to do this or look at something different, but just putting it out there really starts the process. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, you know, and I'm kind of borrowing from Dr. King and I'm paraphrasing like faith is kind of taking that first step without seeing the staircase. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes you just have to, I mean, we all want to plan and analyze, excuse me, and have, you know, our, our project, you know, we always want to know where we're going, but sometimes you just have to be willing to take that first step. And, and you taking that first step not only gives you confidence, but then you can definitely inspire and provide confidence for other people. Yeah. And, and getting back to just a, a question that I'm I'm asking just because I'm curious. Um, how long does actually laying down the tracks take? Because I know you said you guys do everything in one setting. So is it something that may take a good a good amount of the day? Or is it something that you guys can do relatively, probably like the first I think half of it? In the case of the the new release of volume five, and I'll just level with you. We were in the studio August 13th. We were probably in there for about a two hour studio session and go ahead and put down, you know, our, our vocals. And then the team that we work with and shouts to third level entertainment, as well as Canis Major Digital, they had everything else mixed mastered and done within like about a week week and a half like they literally had everything ready uh really by this past sunday this past monday so like august 22nd august 23rd they had everything done and the blessing with all this is that we really take more of a music approach with it because i know a number of people who do audiobooks will put it on audible which is a great platform but in thinking more creatively uh with what we have our audiobooks on Tidal, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon, Shazam, Deezer. It's almost like almost 300 different platforms. So we take, we do take the writing approach and getting it done. 
but we use the music approach in getting it out. So we're on more platforms. So you can do the math. If you're on more platforms, there's a potential to meet, you know, and connect with more readers, more listeners, and, um, you know, just keep putting the information out there. And it's pretty easy. Like literally if you type in the author's mixtape or you type in my name, Andrew Snorton is going to pop up. And even like, you know, it was a neat discovery a couple months ago, you know, like on Instagram, like when you do like your Instagram stories and you can add music to your Instagram stories. So I just was playing around and typed my name in and like, oh my gosh, I'm like, some of my tracks are on here. It was so hilarious. Like, I'm like, wow, this is neat. So <laughs> yeah, oh, so sometimes I'm doing the, like doing the stories like with the like the tracks that are on there are from volume four and I'm sure volume five will be on there too. So I'm looking at, Oh wait, that's me. So it's like, it was like really cool. Yeah. That's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Actually I'm sitting here like, no, I mean, I'm already like, who would have, I'm thinking who would have thought, which comes back to the whole point of, you know, filter out the noise. Like who would have thought that I'd be in a recording studio. And then I'm like, Oh, fill in the blank. I'm on these platforms. And then, like I said, when I did the IG stories, I'm like, oh, blank. That's my stuff on there. Oh, cool. So let me put this on here. And and I know like like one of Kristen's tracks is on there. And then our duets on there too. So I'm like, yeah, let me use this, you know, like the 15 seconds. Let me use this. Let me use that. It was like so I, I was you can tell I I I I'm a big kid at heart still. Like, like I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Oh, this is neat. This is like so so yeah, it's that's like mad cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. I've never met somebody who's had their music on Instagram or TikTok. It's usually people that I just you know, except for the mainstream artists they have on there, a lot of them I've never, you know, I've certainly never met one. So that's that's yeah. a great achievement. Well, thank you. I'm flattered. I'm flattered. Wow. I'm like, yeah. So yeah. Ashley, yeah. So next time you're on IG, it's like, let me put in Andrew Snorton, and it'll be like four or five tracks pop up. It's like, oh wow, this guy's actually kind of neat. It's like I've talked to this guy before. <laughs> exactly, and that's exactly what I'm. Thank you. No, real. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, so I was going to ask about you know telling us a little bit about your publishing journey, but now that you know you're talking about a wider team that you work with. Um, musically as well, I guess I would want you to touch on how that came to fruition as yeah. well. And then, you know, your publishing journey. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I had known the owner of Third Level Entertainment for, for a minute. Key Freeman is actually one of my fraternity brothers. Uh, we're, we're both members of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And we had just known each other. And I would see what he was doing in music. And the whole, like the first, what we do with the author's mixtape, we record it every August and February, August, because that's my birthday month and February because of black history month. So we spread them out every six months. And I, I, I approached him in June or July of 2019. I'm like, I have this idea. And he's like, well, you come in the studio. Like literally it was that simple of a conversation. And in going through the lens of music, and like I said, Candace Major has the 
um, distribution things in regards to being able to get on all the different platforms. And then third level helps with a lot of the stuff, especially if the items with BMI. So literally like if anybody were to sample my stuff, they, I, I get, we get paid from it <laughs> basically because it's like, we've got our publishing stuff and, and we have a few other things in the works. So I'm really like, sometimes as, as corny as it sounds, take inventory of the people, you know, what they do, have a conversation to see where there's areas of overlap and then go from there. I mean, I know it sounds real basic, but that's basically what we did. And from there, it's like, you know, you're, you're getting introduced to like so many different people. Like it, it really, it really was that simple. And sometimes it really is that simple. So I'm, I'm thankful to, you know, with uh, the work that Key Freeman does with Third Level, Joe Hurston with Canis Major Digital, to have people that give you the confidence to be like, yeah, this is a good idea. You should do it. Um, and they don't dissuade you from tapping, you know, allowing you to tap in your gifts and talents and then bringing Chris Ten on. Um and uh, you, you, you definitely want to talk with her to get her feedback on it. I know, shameless plug. But um, uh, but no, but for real, it's like, it, like I said before, and, and, and this is what I said on another show in talking about Volume 5. Yeah, it's my project. But when somebody, when you recognize somebody has a gift and talent, you either encourage them, elevate them, or get out the way. Like you don't stifle talent. You don't stifle ability. You don't stifle people who are walking in their purpose. You don't stifle people who are, you know, who are growing, but not only individually, but they're helping other people grow. And I I can't speak, I can't speak about what other people do, but when you're around, you know, gifted, talented, sincere people, you want them to do well. And, and, you know, I'll just be blunt. If it meant me taking a backseat on my own project, hey, my 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 ego isn't that big to where I'm like, oh my gosh, it's my, no, it's because the, the volume five, it's featuring her. It's like featuring Chris Ten. It's like author Andrew Snorton featuring Chris Ten. So, um, no, I'm and and then you never know where that's going to put her in regards to other stuff. And then when people see that you're trying to come from a genuine space and place and and collab and you're willing to help and they're going to be willing to help you and help others. Everybody grows. It's like the adage, there's enough seats at the table where everyone can get a plate. So um, that's just the mentality. And I'm glad I'm around people that have a like-minded mentality and all of us have been able to grow individually and collectively. So like I said, right, that's what we fit in to do. Like real talk, that's what we fit in to do. And that's it. Yeah, Definitely. And I agree with that as well. I mean, um, my husband and I talk about, because he's actually a visual artist. So he does oil paintings, charcoal drawings, really anything. Sculptures as of late. <laughs> so um, we talk about how, you know, competitiveness can can potentially ruin a lot of collaborations. Because when you live in a place and, and locally, like the, the art scene or the music scene or whatever it may be, may not be. Um, it's heightened anyway. And then you have people that, that do these all these great things, but then they're just competing with each other as opposed to trying to get some type of collaboration together um, where they can have something that will really leave a mark on the city. So I feel like a lot of people kind of battle with that um, competitiveness. Yeah. And sorry, yeah, I'll, I'll say this. 
Now, granted, there are some things you're going to be insular about, but you can't be insular about everything. And I think that kind of leads into your point regarding like anyone who's a creative, whether it's in writing or music or fashion or, or, you know, whatever, like the good thing is there are a number of people who get it and they realize, yes, you can do your own individual thing, but every once in a while, when you team up with the right people, what people don't understand is when you collab and whatever, you get introduced to their audience and vice versa. And it allows you to grow and it allows you to go in different spaces and places that you might not be able to get on your own. Um, and I think if people have a willingness to at least do that periodically, you're going to help encourage the next generation of creators, etc. cetera. Um, it's unfortunate there are some people who are so insular or so about themselves or the classic, well, I'm self-made. I'm like, get out of my face with that self-made nonsense. No, I'm, I'm a, no and I've spoken to this before. Somebody thought enough of you to give you a chance. Like real talk, that, that I don't care what it is. Somebody thought enough of you to give you that learning opportunity, the uh, first bid or contract you got, you know, the first speaking engagement or whatever. Someone thought enough of you to give you a chance. How dare you be so greedy and so foolish and so imbecilic with not reaching back and helping somebody else when somebody reached back and helped you? That, that I'm, I mean, we know it exists and it's unfortunate. And but once you identify those folks, it's like they say you can love people from a distance. Like I can give you a shout from a distance, but right now your head and your mind aren't right. And I'm I'm getting too old to <laughs> go ahead and go through. You know, yeah, look at here, look at here, Ashley. Now I know black don't crack. Y'all women don't have that problem. Me, I'm like, I'm getting too old for that type of shenanigans, like for real. So whenever you're able to link up and connect with with good people who are passionate, purposeful, they're driven, you know, the whole iron sharpens iron piece. And what they're doing is I'll say the constructive criticism because they see more in you than sometimes you see in yourself. And then you see the same thing in them. Now it's like everybody grows or like, like back in the day when my mom taught and she had a nonprofit uh, that she did with her middle school students called Project Eat. And that acronym stood for everybody ate today. Well, guess what? Everybody can still eat today. Just quit being so darn greedy. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a good point. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> On that last sentence. Um, another thing that I think is cool that you mentioned kind of in between just to throw in there was that you're an alpha. I'm actually um, a member of Alpha oh, Kappa Alpha. So we're fam. You're actually the second alpha to be on the show. The first one um, is an author that, that I've been following probably for about three years now, but his name is Teddy okay. Combs. You should, you should probably look into him. He has a, a really good book that's it kind of mirrors what's going on with COVID right now. But he wrote the book. I'm like, you're literally like a fortune teller or something or can see into the future. He wrote the book before oh, what happened. <laughs> it's, it's like a, a unique take on it, but it's, it's okay. on Amazon. And I actually bought his book. I can't remember the name of it, but his name is okay. Teddy Combs. 
if you're interested in, he's an alpha as well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. and real quick, <laughs> I know he'll like, be happy but real I'm talk, shouts to entire our entire D9, like real talk, shouts to our, our noble Greeks and fratters of, uh, you know, Cap Alpha Psi, Omega Psi Phi, Phi Beta Sigma, uh, Phi Theta. Obviously, shouts to our uh, sororities. Obviously, the family Alpha Kappa Alpha, Delta Sigma Theta, uh, Zeta Phi Beta, Sigma Gamma Rho, and uh, all, you know, other organizations like, you know, Masonry, Organization of the Eastern Star, The Links, all of y'all keep doing the good things you're doing. Your presence is needed even more. So keep doing the good things you're doing. But yeah, shouts. I'm like, yeah, now I'm like, no wonder. <laughs> yeah. The links are actually very active um, in our community. My husband was actually a part of like an art program. They were basically um, really helping fund like up and coming mm-hmm. artists. And they, they would set up like different activities for them to do, for them to talk to like business and gallery owners, um, biz, other business owners that had to do with art and art resources. It was really nice. So I've actually visually been able to see what they're doing. And of course, you know, with my sorority and what we're doing. And like you said, all of the D9 really, but I've kind of been up and close and personal with those projects. So they're definitely, like you said, needed in the community. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yes, ma'am. Um, so moving back to <laughs> what we're actually here for, um, can you share some key learning experiences, both good and bad, that you've gone through in your journey as an author and just, you know, really in any type of venture that you've um, Yeah, definitely one, one, you know, teachable moment uh, as an author, back up your work. Like, true story, I, I started writing a different book in 2016 it was actually going to be a collection of political essays given the political landscape at the time from someone whose name we will not name but um it was really looking at that and those other moving parts and my laptop crashed and i didn't have everything fully backed up on the cloud or on um an external drive so while the tech person who i gave it to at the time was able to recover a lot of stuff one of the things he didn't recover wasn't able to cover my manuscript. So please back up your work. I know it sounds basic, but I learned the hard way. But I'll tell you what, it was also a learning tool because sometimes what you're working on might not be what you need to do. And I say that because the poetry book, the first book that I mentioned, Deeper Than Your Deepest Sleep, that was supposed to be my second book. So it ended up being my first and it was probably the one that needed to be my first. So sometimes those teachable moments you know, definitely have you learned something um, on the positive, you know, on the other end with writing. Um, the biggest thing that I would tell anybody with writing is the most important thing is get started. And the second most important thing is build up the habit. And what I tell anybody is think about something that you accomplished and how consistent you had to be in order to get that done and use that as your starting point. So whether it was a fitness goal, whether it was a home improvement goal, whether it was learning how to cook something or whatever, think about the commitment level you had in order to accomplish that and use that as your starting point. And don't worry about, and I'm a little bit unconventional. Some people are like, you have to have a certain word count. I'm like, get out of here with that nonsense. Like, I I know. Some people are like, oh my gosh. No, you write what you need to write to say what you need to say. 
And that's it. And honestly, one of the more impactful books that I've read that's on my library, As a Man Thinketh, which really delves into, you know, philosophy and faith and what have you. And a lot of it's applicable to women, too. It's not just men. That book is only 60 pages long. So I tell people, don't get caught up in the length and all that type of stuff. Just get caught up in sharing the message, sharing the message and the narrative as clearly as possible. Show that you've got a command of what you're talking about and leave it there. Like, don't get worried about all this. It has to be 50. Man, get out of here with that mess. I'm going to go ahead and say it. And that might upset some people. But, hey, I'm not from around here. I don't do what people from around here do. And last time I checked, and I'm thankful to one of the Atlanta groups here, the Black Only Awards, I'm up for author of the year. So I didn't follow every conventional rule. And this is an English major you're talking to. So, hey, just do what you need to do to say what you need to say as clearly as possible where people can follow what you're talking about. Show that you know what you're talking about and just go ahead, just go ahead and say it. And, and be done with this. Like I said before, if you don't believe me, pick up, Seamus, pick, pick up um, As a Man Thinketh. That book is really, really impactful. And that's only like 60 pages long. Doesn't have to be 500 pages looking like a sack of rocks and whatever, beating somebody upside the head with it. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because people will, you know, even like publishers, if you're trying to, you know, go the traditional mm-hmm. publishing route, they'll even tell people that. And like you said, that's not always the case. Those aren't always the longest book isn't always the best book because, um, you know, sometimes it may just be fluff because they're literally trying to make it a certain number of pages <laughs> that they could have probably said in 60 pages effectively. Egg. So there's exactly. I think it's good that there are some solid and do your research on these self-publishing platforms too. like seriously, there there are some solid self-publishing platforms out there where you can, you know, at least online be on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And another thing, don't underestimate the power of your indie bookstores. Like I've been so blessed, like some of the bookstores where I'm in, like Detroit Book City, um, I've been able to do speaking engagements through them. Um, the East of the River Book Festival in Washington, D.C. I know they've kind of, you know, like everybody kind of been on hold a little bit, but um, don't underestimate the power of your independent bookstores to get back to the roots and get back to the people. And they will probably be as big, if not a bigger advocate, because, you know, they, they need, obviously they need people in order to be out there and they're willing to give people, a lot of the indie bookstores are willing to give you a chance where the people won't. So don't, for anybody as writing, don't think, don't get me wrong. Amazon and Barnes and Noble are wonderful. They really are. But, you know, you can't just eat steak. You know, you got to eat, you know, some potatoes. You got to get some, you know, some steak sauce. You know, for those 21 and older, you might want to get something that's 21 and older-ish. You know, you might want a little dessert. You might want some, you know, blackberry cobbler with some ice cream or something like that. And you can't always get that from someone who makes steak. So I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. And I can attest to the validity of Detroit Book City. I was actually I actually did a virtual book fair with them. I think Wait, it was did last you do year? the one last November? No, I did. It was early in the year. It was around June. Okay, because I did the virtual one with them 
November of last year. And then when they did their spring series, uh, Nothing Minor was like the feet where they had the author features like through March and April. Uh, Nothing Minor was one of the author features. Yeah, the, the Hayes family, they're, they're awesome. Shouts to Janice Hayes of uh-huh. Detroit Book City, like for yeah. real, for real. Mm-hmm. It was it was a good experience. Um, so when you're working on your projects, how do you stay in a creative space? Because I know like with what's all this going on in the world today, how do you manage to stay in a creative space in order to create hey, new real projects? good question? Well, like a lot of people before COVID, I would rotate between writing at home, writing at the public libraries, writing at your coffee houses. Um, last year when I did nothing minor, obviously I had to do it exclusively from home, but what helped me to kind of keep the creative juices flowing. And I, I'll admit, I kind of slacked off this week were the morning walks in the park, uh, just to get my mind and spirit, right. Uh, typically most mornings there's, there's a park that's within like seven minutes of home. So that's where I would go read my read my scripture, you know, like the passage of the day, do my prayer, my meditation, get now about like four miles in and just kind of clear my head. And then it's kind of like you look at your calendar and you see, okay, what adjustments do you need to make Uh, and things along those lines. So, you know, obviously, even now, I'll still get most of my writing done at home. Uh, just up in the little office space, the loft, the lab, whatever you want to call it. And um, but when I need those creative breaks, you know, going out to the park has really been very helpful for me. And um, and you know, for the venues where it is a little bit more intimate, just taking in some live music and being around other creative people. And and I'll tell you what was real cool with this past Thursday going to a venue where I've been able to do book signings, a uh, cat's cafe. It was open mic night. And part of the cool thing about it is like the second person that came on, it was his first performance ever, like in that type of setting. And just to kind of see his excitement and energy and whatever, it's like, how can you not feed off of that to, um, you know, take that into whatever project you're doing. So you know, creatives can help other creatives. Some, like I said, just see somebody live, you know, go, go, go for a walk in the park or for people that go to the gym, put the headphones on, the earbuds on or whatever, go to the gym, do something just to kind of break the monotony. And then sometimes you come back more fresh and you can put more energy into what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And kind of to go along with that, do you ever get like writer's block or it may be, I I also call it creator's block. Um, but do you ever experience that? And how yeah, do you sometimes I do. And I think it just depends. Like if you feel like you're that close to getting, let's say that chapter done or whatever you try to push through. Sometimes it's like a hint where if it's not flowing, it's like, you need to take a break. And 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 I think we all have to realize it's okay to pause sometimes. Seriously. Pausing and quitting are two different things. Pausing to me means it's like, okay, your energy, your vibe isn't right. You need to go ahead and reboot. Get your mind off of it because maybe you're overthinking. Maybe you're overanalyzing. And you're, quote, trying to do the perfect job versus doing the job. Um, sometimes if you're that mm-hmm. close, you, you, you need to keep pushing. So it kind of it, it varies. But I think in general for me – 
if I'm coming up with a block, I'll jot some notes down of what I'm thinking and I'll leave it alone. And then when I come back to it in general, I'm a little bit more refreshed, a little bit more focused. And I can look at what I was doing. It's like, okay, I need to go this direction or I need to pivot or I need to rip some stuff up and revisit some things. So I, I think whenever you have that block, creatively or otherwise, be open to different ways of dealing with it. It's not a one size fits all type deal. Be be flexible with the ways that you can get the creative juices and energy flowing. So sometimes you push through, sometimes you back off. It just depends on, you know, the nature of, you know, when you realize why are you getting blocked basically. Yeah. And knowing all of those things and having all of those tools to, you know, maneuver writer's block, how do you feel that you've grown over the years in the industry? And then also, what advice would you give other authors or aspiring authors for them to be sure. successful? Uh, great question. I think for me growing, like I said, this is four years in. And um, I think one of the things that helps me is my versatility. Like when we talked earlier about the three books that are in print. I went from poetry to interview to sports. Like, I don't know. I'm sure there's people who do that, but some authors stick to their genre only. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think I want to say I'm all over the place, but I'm, I'm, I'm open to being in different spaces and places. So I think that's one thing that helps. And it's a reminder that, yeah, I'm capable of doing whatever I set my mind to. And then we talked about the audiobook series and the creativity that comes with that, it's like, yeah, you feel like you can do anything at any time. So I think, you know, as you complete each work, your confidence is going to grow and you know that you can get into that space. As long as your mind and whatever are locked in and focused, you can jump into that space. You know, for any aspiring author, like I said earlier, the most important thing is getting started. And the second most important thing is be consistent with the time that you take in order to create your masterpiece. Um, You know, you can look at things in the industry. You can utilize some elements of structure because it's not like you're just throwing things up there at random, but allow yourself to be creative within that space and within that structure. And like I said earlier, just tell the story and just tell the story and be authentic and accessible with it. And, um, you know, you're going to hear no's like real talk. You're going to hear no's. You're going to hear no's from your big publishers. You might hear no from your self-publishing. You might hear no from a bookstore. You might hear no from your mama and them. You're going to hear no's. No, like seriously, like, and I talk, actually, I talked about it on the current audiobook, book, uh, Free Game. That's the, one of the tracks, Free Game. Um, definitely listen to it once it's available, but you're going to hear no's. And you have to understand that's part of the process. Now, the thing that will, will probably upset you is from who or whom you hear those no's from. Because especially if you're like family or people who know you, you think, oh, they're going to automatically support. And that's not always true. I can tell you that right now. But I talked I talked about it on the audiobook. You do have to sometimes have tunnel vision and understand the no's are going to come. But stick to your mission, your purpose, see what things are going to 
help you make adjustments, take in constructive criticism from the standpoint of I'm pointing this out because I see where you can be successful and I want you to be successful versus dream killers and dream snatchers. And don't be and, and the big probably another big thing. You have to be your your biggest advocate. And I'll say this. People won't take you seriously if you don't take your work seriously. Like if your writing is a hobby, guess what? They're going to treat you like hobby lobby, like for real. If you take this seriously, like Erica Badu said it best, you know, in the introduction to, um, you know, Tyrone, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my fill in the blank. You have to be proud of what you've done, especially when you get it completed and you have to advocate. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this, any author out there, Real talk, you got to operate like you're in press and media. You need your press and media kit. That's free game right there. You need it. You want to show your credibility. You can't just go up there. I mean, it still sometimes works, but if you're trying to like, honestly, you, you, you have to be the biggest proponent of your work. Anytime you have an opportunity to be on shows like Ashley's, you need to be on it. And and speaking of that, I'll say this, you can't worry about the size of the platform. Be thankful that someone is opening up their platform to you and allowing you to connect with people that you don't know because somebody you don't know needs to hear about you, hear about the work you're doing, and you never know where your help's going to come from. So if you're not your biggest advocate and showing that you're dedicated to the craft, people are going to treat you that way. And even if people treat you that way, when you are dedicated, it doesn't bother you because you know, there are people paying attention to you. Like I said earlier, I'm up for an award from one of the Atlanta groups. I don't have a darn clue who nominated me or how they got my info or whatever. But the thing I think I can say is when you're consistent with sharing who you are, what you do, why you're doing it. There's going to be somebody that's going to pay attention and somebody who's going to want to, you know, like, you know, I'm so grateful for Ashley sitting down and talking with you and wanting you to share what you're doing and ask some questions and help you stay sharp and be ready for what's next because, you know, there's more, there's more out there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And in, in, in hearing you talk about, you know, your successes and all of the things you have going on and things that you want to achieve in the future, how do you actually measure impact or success? Do you measure it like monetarily or um, by really getting feedback that you're actually making a difference in the lives of others? I think I think authors, we, we do. To varying degrees, we do look at the money, but I think we have to understand, look, when you're an author, it's like running a marathon. This is long term. There's there's not a quick fix. Like when people are like, this person's a bestseller, it took them years to get to that point. And like I said, this is only my fourth year. But when I look at what I've been able to do in four years, when I think about the years I've been able to do the Mississippi Book Festival, which... The last year it was done in person in 2019, it drew maybe about like somewhere between eight and 10,000 people. And as a first time author in 2017 to have done that festival, that's a big deal. Um, and like I said, other festivals I've been able to do like in person, like Detroit Book City, like true story of Detroit Book City. I flew up. It was February of uh, 2019. 
Yeah, February 2019, I did their winter. I did their winter festival. And literally, I flew up on a Sunday morning, left from the airport straight to the venue with my suitcase (laughs) and all my stuff, (laughs) got at my table, spoke there, finally checked into where I was staying. And then um, the very next day, I met with them to get my books placed in the bookstore. And then I'll tell you what was a blessing from that. So that Monday I was there, I went down to uh, the Chrysler headquarters, which used to be called the Renaissance Center. So I know I'm dating myself. And I took a picture with the Canadian flag in the background. And this is where it's like when you're passionate and personal and consistent, you never know who's paying attention. So I, I post this picture of me at the landing. You see the Canadian flag in the background because Windsor, Canada is right there. And then a magazine reached out to me asking me if they could use my photo. I'm like, heck yeah. I'm like, shoot, I'm getting people to see me. From there, that landed me a couple of interviews with that particular magazine, all because I was serious about, you know, what I do writing wise and going out to a festival. And you never know who's paying attention to you. And that, you know, allowed me other engagement opportunities. Sometimes it's like that, but um, the money's going to come. You just have to understand it's long-term. This isn't overnight. It's long-term. As long, I think the biggest, the most important thing comes back to what I said earlier. You have to be authentic and accessible with your writing and help provide a voice for people who struggle with it. You do that on a consistent basis You never know who's going to see you. You never know who's going to speak about you. You know, like they say before, you never, you know, if people put your name in a room full of opportunities, that says a lot. And, and I've been blessed to be able to do a number of things because of my dedication to my craft and writing. So just be ultimately be dedicated and, and understand, like I said, this is a long-term deal. Um, If it was short-term or a quick fix, everybody would be writing. And, you know, it's long term, but it allows you just the the positives beyond the money are, 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 you know, are endless, basically. Yeah, that's true. And we appreciate you really dropping some beneficial gems on the show today. So hopefully everyone took notes on what you were saying, because everything you just said is so vital. Um, as far as measuring impact and success. And in wrapping up, what's the one thing you would want our audience to know about? Uh, let's see. Probably the one thing. <laughs> well, that's that's a good one. I think the one thing is I'll say I'm good at what I do, but I know I still got to work to be great. And, and I think it's just a reminder of everybody out there is good at something. You have gifts and you have talents. There's some that you've discovered and there's some that you've yet to discover. So if you're just content with being where you are, you're never going to tap into everything else about you. Um, So be willing in your walk towards greatness, be willing to discover more about who you are and whose you are. And you never know what hidden gifts or hidden talents you have. And when you utilize those, you never know how much of a growth process it can be for you and those around you. So there's nothing wrong with being good, but part of working on being great is to still keep learning every day, keep discovering and rediscovering who you are. Uh, and, um, And the last thing, 
like I say, is keep it grounded, humble, and hungry. What I mean by that, stay spiritually grounded, knowing where everything comes from. Stay humble, not that you're meek, but you are confident, but you balance your confidence with perspective. And stay hungry, meaning as much as you've been able to accomplish, there's still more for you to accomplish. There's more for you to do, more people for you to reach. So keep it that simple and it'll take you spaces and places where you would never expect. Yeah. <laughs> so how can listeners find your yeah, work? Yeah, the best ways to stay connected with me on social media. If you add me on Facebook at the page author, Andrew Snorton, A-U-T-H-O-R, Andrew Snorton. On Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, you can add author A. Snorton. Uh, for personalized copies, uh, speaking engagements, things along those lines, you may email me at authorasnorton at gmail.com. For my author website, probably the easiest thing to do is add Author A. Snorton on Instagram. Click on the link in the bio, and that will take you to my press and media where um, you'll see like the different interviews and things I've done. Basically, click on the images, and it'll take you to whatever links. So once this is active, I'll go ahead and put the cover photo from your work and add that to it, and then you can go through the site that way. That'll probably be the easiest way to do it and uh yeah i'm just grateful for the opportunity like seriously thank you for allowing me to take time to share and and cover a whole lot of ground but seriously thank you thank you no thank you for for coming on and um sharing with us these insightful tidbits to be successful really as an author or any type of entrepreneur because there's a lot that a business owner could draw from what you were saying as well. So we're just very, very thankful that you were on the show today. And hopefully I know that all the listeners really got something that they can take back with them and apply to their lives to be successful. Okay, thank you. And continue ble- to your audience out there, continue blessings. Please make sure to continue to support, you know, this platform. Um, seriously, please do so. You know, thanks for, you know, listening to me. I'll ask for your support and encouragement, but bigger than that, please continue to support this platform. Like for real, for real, please do so. Thanks so much. And for future episodes, you can follow and subscribe to Gifted Autonomy on Apple and Spotify. And also don't forget, you can purchase my second novel entitled Autoscopy online at Barnes and Noble. And also, if you're looking for some beautiful prints or original artwork for your home or business, you can visit silverbrush.net to get those prints or original artwork from my husband, Larry Silver. But until next time, if you don't have anything else, Andrew, we'll let you go. We know you're a busy man. Uh, Well, (laughs) real talk, who isn't busy? But again, like seriously, who isn't busy? But again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Continue blessings to you and your family. And again, to your audience, continue blessings to your audience. Seriously. So thank you all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you next time.